Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. With the serenity prayer as well. God, grant me this serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay. Um, my name is Suzanne S., and um, I am a sexaholic, and I have, by God's amazing grace, uh, been sober since the 12th of June, 2004. And uh, I remember when I first came into uh, SA, my first meeting was an open meeting, and it was uh, at a drug rehab center in a sketchy part of town. So that was a little nerve-wracking. And I was the only woman in the meeting. And uh, after the meeting, in our fellowship, you do need to meet with a couple of sober members in order to go to closed meetings. So I knew that. And so I asked to do that right after the meeting. And uh, so the guys were like, oh, oh, okay, sure. But then there was this discussion, like, who would be able to meet with me? And they weren't so sure that they could. Um, and uh, so that that was a little disconcerting. And I was like, gee, I'm not so sure I'm uh, uh, welcome here, which I had already heard that SA was great for men, but maybe not for women. So I was like, okay, uh, we'll see. But fortunately, a couple of men were found that could talk to me. Um, and uh, they did direct me to go to a meeting where there were some women. And when I went to that meeting, I um, found a, a, the, the first woman I saw, I sat right next to her and practically held her hand. And uh, gratefully, she became my first sponsor. Um, and that was, that was really wonderful. And I have to say, the guys in that group that became my home group, um, they really, I learned to relate to them as brothers. And so I really feel like I inherited a whole group of brothers, a band of brothers, so to speak. And, uh, that's really been a blessing for me as well as, as the women in SA. It was funny because I remember at that first meeting that the, um, the men were, were sharing, uh, how they acted out and my eyes were getting bigger and bigger. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, get me out of here. But once they started sharing about their experience, like one guy first started talking about living a double life and I'm like, okay, now I can relate <laughs> this. I can relate to. 
And that's what made the difference for me. It really, you know, I learned that it really doesn't matter what we've done or haven't done. It matters that um, we recognize that our behavior was progressively addictive and destructive. And that to me is what it has made all the difference that it's not, um, you know, how far I fell or all the things I did, but it's that for me, I saw that this, this, uh, addiction was, or that this, my behavior was progressively addictive and destructive. And so, um, I was really grateful when I heard the problem, I could totally relate. And I was so grateful to hear the solution. Like, Oh my gosh, there is a way out. Cause I tried so, so many ways. And, um, as, as a woman, I really, um, felt that I could relate to the men, which I didn't expect. And the other blessing um, is that I experienced healing. Um, you know, we do have uh, uh, sex offenders in, uh, in our fellowship. And I know one uh, gentleman who spent 10 years in jail for that. And um, that actually has been very healing to get to know him because as many of us have, I was sexually abused as a child. Um, but it's really been healing for me to be around um, uh, men in recovery who uh, were sex offenders uh, with, with children. And uh, so that to me um, has really been, been a blessing. It's also been a blessing to get to know other women in SA outside of my local area. Cause we've never had more than a handful of us in my area. Um, but I went to my first convention about a year a little, yeah, about a year into sobriety and got to know some women there. And we started, we actually started a phone meeting with the women from that first group. Um, and, um, and it's progressed from there. I was around when uh, WISA started, that was called Women NSA. And um, it developed a, the first phone list and opportunity for women in the fellowship to get together. But it was primarily um, U.S.-based, um, maybe U.S. and Canada. Um, so um, it's been very exciting since um, the uh, uh, Europe and Middle East region has done so much to uh, connect uh, people from all over. And we now have um, a sisters list for people all over uh, the world and also a, um, a women's WhatsApp group that I'm a part of. And that's how I got to know Mona, who um, will be joining us soon, hopefully. <laughs> and um, it's really been a blessing. And uh, Sylvia, who knows if she'll be able to get on, but it's, she's been at every convention, uh, just about every convention that I've been to. And that's been amazing. She, she has been in the fellowship for 35 years and has been sober, uh, all that time. And, uh, so she's the longest sober woman in SA. And, uh, it has been such a blessing to realize that her story is just like mine. I mean, it's, it's, you know, um, it, it isn't that, uh, dramatically different, even all these, you know, even with all the years difference, um, and her experience in SA has been similar to mine. Um, 
And that's, that's something that we've been very blessed to be welcomed by the men in our fellowship. I know, unfortunately, that is not true for, um, for all the women. I went to the women's uh, convention that we had, uh, not this last summer, but the summer before the first uh, international women's convention. And uh, there were some women there who shared that there were no meetings that they could go to in their area because they were only for men. Um, and I know there are some areas like um, in Iran where the men and women do have separate meetings, but in an area where you're the only woman and there's only men's meetings, um, there is the hope that the men would be able to welcome uh, a woman in that situation um, because obviously they wouldn't have a meeting to go to otherwise. Um, and that's something that I'm also on an ad hoc committee um, that uh, we have set up uh, in the International uh, uh, Fellowship to, um, to look at this issue of how can we be more welcoming to women in SA. And, um, and that's been a really good experience uh, to realize that we all have a role to play and uh, to help women feel comfortable coming into a meeting of all men, it's important to talk to her, not to ignore her, as uh, some women have reported experiencing, but to to not initiate um, like a hug or anything like that, you know, any physical contact. Um, Even holding hands can be uh, difficult for a woman coming into a meeting of all men. So it's important to be respectful of that, of that, uh, of any of those kind of issues, but also to be friendly. Um, you know, some women have reported that nobody talks to her, that it's just, you know, they're just there and they feel obviously very conspicuous and, and it's, it can be very uncomfortable. And I know for the men, it can be scary. And yet I so appreciate that the back of the white book in starting meetings does have a whole section on what they call mixed meetings or, you know, co-ed men and women together, because it talks about how that can be, as I mentioned, a very uh, healing experience and an opportunity for us to address lust with each other, that the, the object, quote unquote, of our lust is right there. And that's how... I feel safest in an essay meeting because I know that everyone is there for recovery. Yes, they might be struggling with lust, but they're there to deal with that. And that is a, is a room where they can do that safely. Not every 12-step group is like that. I've been to 12-step groups where I have experienced what can be called the 13th step, you know, <laughs> where, um, you know, the new women get hit on or, uh, or maybe not so new, but um, that is a typical thing that can happen. So I think an essay meeting with, of men is, is a much safer place for me uh, to be. And, um, and the men in my fellowship, really, my local fellowship, really appreciate the women who come because they say the same thing, that this is their opportunity to deal with women as, as uh, a human being, a sister, a friend, and not as a lust object. So that is, is a very, very important component for them. 
And that that has been my experience. But I also appreciate getting to know the women in SA. Um, being part of this women's WhatsApp group has been a very powerful experience for me. I've gotten to know women all over the world. And um, and that's just exciting to see how SA has grown. And now I'm becoming a champion for how we should not be U.S. centric and we really need to focus on, um, you know, the fellowship in, in the rest of the world. And um, it's one of the reasons why I asked Mona to, to come on. Um, and also Iran is, is uh, making some strides in addressing some concerns with women. So um, hopefully she'll be back on and we'll get to hear about that. If not, I can share a little bit, but. Uh, we shall see. Um, do we have any uh, questions or comments yet, Daniel? Um, we don't yet. Mona is here, but she's having a really difficult time with her um, with her connection. Let me unmute her a second. Um, let me try and unmute her. Okay. No, yeah, she's she, poor. Mona is having a nightmare with the connection. Yeah, she told me that sometimes that happens with uh, with her connection. So we'll see. Um, if uh, if she can get that straightened out, um, but uh, um, one other thing, it's interesting because I did hear that there was uh, a group of um, a group that was all men, and they did decide to uh, welcome women after hearing uh, a plea um, from uh, one of the women speakers at the Newark convention in 2017, where she asked, um, she was at the women's convention as well. And she asked um, the men to consider if they have men only meetings to open them up to women. And, and this one group did so. And then a woman came who wasn't sober and did not really have appropriate behavior. And, uh, just ended up, you know, flirting with the men and apparently even, you know, uh, connecting with one and where they actually had a sexual relationship. And, you know, so, so the men, the men got totally scared off by that and closed their meeting back to men again. And that's, that's sad because, you know, this was a woman newcomer and, uh, as a new person, you know, that can happen. I mean, that can happen with men too, where they don't have appropriate behavior. Uh, one thing that I think does help is this idea that we do in my fellowship of meeting with people ahead of time. Um, I and uh, another uh, sober member of my fellowship, I do have, we do have the opportunity to have women to be able to do that. But if two men can, need to do it, that's okay too. But it just gives the opportunity to share our stories with each other, um, orient them to the fellowship and what to expect. And especially if it is all men, um, explain, you know, that, that case and, and how we can help each other. Um, one of the things that's mentioned in that section on starting new meetings is that you know, this is one of the reasons why we uh, dress appropriately at meetings, that we don't wear anything that, that would be triggering. Um, and uh, that's something that we honor in, in my fellowship. And uh, if someone, like, for instance, we, we don't um, 
encourage people to wear shorts. So um, if someone does, whether it's a man or a woman, uh, someone will take them aside after the meeting and explain that that's not considered appropriate attire for us. So, um, and we actually have incorporated that line about appropriate attire into our, um, you know, preamble for the meetings uh, and explaining that, you know, we, we do wear appropriate attire at meetings. Um, and that goes a long way. And if, if you, if you are having trouble, you know, like in this situation that they did with this woman, you know, a sober member or two in, in the case of all men, I would recommend two can take her aside and talk to her and explain what is appropriate behavior at an essay meeting and what we need to do to keep our meeting safe. That's the, I think the bottom line is to think that the meeting needs to be a safe place for men and women. So, um, you know, no flirting. (laughs) Um, we need to be again, friendly, but not, um, not exclusive, you know, don't, don't begin any exclusive connections, either talking after the meeting or, um, you know, obviously exchanging phone numbers and, you know, calling and texting and whatever. Um, I, to this day, do not um, collect phone numbers from men. I do connect with them for service reasons, but I don't for um, just general discussion um, or if I'm having trouble or anything. Um, That's why we have a network of women and the same for the men. There's also now a buddy list of men from all over the world. Um, obviously, it's a little easier for the men, but there are plenty of resources now for women in SA that we can connect with each other. We can get women sponsors. Um, we can uh, have a network of women to contact if we're struggling or just to talk. Um, and so we don't have to worry that... Um, it's just, uh, you know, we're stuck with all the men. Uh, and it's not, again, being stuck. I mean, that I think is very important to realize that we are blessed to have each other, no matter who's in your meeting. And I know for, for many women, just like for men, they may not even have a meeting in their area. But we're blessed with the technology we have these days, that we have these, you know, voice over internet protocol opportunities that we have meetings in these platforms and we also have phone meetings but for some people like i am sponsoring right now a woman in india who has no meetings in her area and there are no phone meetings um that you know she's able to join for free so um so she relies on on skype meetings uh because that's all she can do right now and that that's very I mean, we are just so incredibly blessed that we have these opportunities. And um, I can just say, too, that I've seen in my 14 years in SA that there has been a growing awareness, just like there's been a growing awareness of of, um, how to be more open to the international community and that we're all part of this together. There's also been more and more openness to... um, how we are truly, how we truly need to be an inclusive fellowship of men and women that, um, that lust is lust is lust. As uh, I think Daniel, you said, 
<laughs> earlier that we all share in this together. And, um, you know, I've discovered that many of the men in our fellowship were abused as children too, that this is a very common experience for all of us. And uh, did that set us up for acting out? Probably. Um, but, you know, what, for whatever the reason, we all became sexaholics and we're all in this together. And I think that's been a very important realization. And I, so I'm no longer seeing um, uh, men as either the target of my lust or as the enemy. And now I see, no, these men are brothers. They are in recovery just like I am and I need to be. And, um, and I also have the blessing. At every convention now, we have women's meetings. And I can tell you, this was very difficult to establish. Um, in the, it, uh, when, when WISA first got started, which I think was sometime in the 90s, I can't remember. Um, I mean, no, it couldn't have been. I started in 2004. So it's probably 2007, maybe, something like that. Um, and um, there, But when, when we first asked for a women's meeting at the convention, just so we could have a place to connect and, um, you know, share phone numbers and that sort of thing. Um, it, it was very much like, well, we don't want anything exclusionary. But I think the realization was that we do need a place for the women to connect. I mean, we were doing it in, ho in someone's hotel room. I recall doing that uh, early on when we couldn't get a meeting room. Um, but fortunately, there is a realization. And in fact, at the Newark convention in 2017 in July, there were three women's meetings. And that was the first time ever. Um, one was more to kind of just get to know each other. The next one was a formal meeting that was recorded. And that was the first time a women's meeting was recorded at a convention. And then the third one was open to Essanons, which was great because we did have Essanons come that also, um, you saw that they were probably, as we call them, double winners in, um, in both, uh, SA and Essanon. And that was really helpful. I remember at that convention, a couple of Essanons coming up to me personally and, you know, talking at, cause I was one of the speakers at that convention and they talked about, wow, I could really relate to your share and here's my story. So it, that again, makes a difference that our, that, that when we have Essanons at our conventions, it's a great opportunity for us to share together and um, maybe find more people that belong in this fellowship. So I think that has been a real uh, blessing and something that I really appreciate. And, so um, we're, getting, we're getting a bunch of questions and really okay. good as well. So um, I'm, I'm going to th throw a few of them out to you. And uh, um, we have, we have a, few, uh, a few questions from Alison, who's a newcomer here in Israel. Um, the first one um, she asks is, do you think men, in, uh, sorry, what do you do if you're attracted to someone in a meeting? It's a great question. Uh, yes. Oh, that certainly happened to me. And um, first of all, I learned that I should not talk to that person after the meeting or before the meeting. Um, 
you know, no, no one-on-one conversations. And in terms of, of at the meeting, um, it's funny. Some of us women talk about how we get to know the shoes in the room because you know, if necessary, you look at the shoes. Um, and there are times too, that, you know, this is something men can be sensitive of is the way you sit. You know, many men, unfortunately sit spread Eagle and that is not helpful for women. So that's something to be aware of and to be conscious of in a meeting, just as we wear appropriate attire, we also sit appropriately. Um, and, uh, um, just think about those, those kind of things. So that's the main thing that I've had to deal with when I'm, you know, attracted to someone or just experiencing a lust moment of, you know, someone has their shirt unbuttoned a little too far or something like that. And so I just have to look away and pray. And, um, but one thing that's really important is to share with your sponsor if you are experiencing, um, attraction, because that, Again, you're accountable um, with one sponsee who really dealt with a difficult situation with that because she did get in, into a situation where they were texting each other, and I think they even met for coffee once. So, um, so then we set up a situation of accountability where she would contact me before and after the meeting and um, use some of these tools like looking at shoes or, um, or leaving the room if necessary to go to a lady's room or something. Um, and uh, so, but, and then she would contact me before and after the meeting. So those are other things to, to be accountable in those situations so that you don't develop some kind of exclusive thing that's happening and no one's aware of it. I know another situation where that happened and it became this big issue and they ended up, you know, having to go talk to inner group and, and they're both out of the fellowship now. And, and that's sad. It's because they didn't, didn't become accountable and they didn't uh, set up a situation where they use tools to prevent that from happening. Thank you so much. The next question she asked was, um, Uh, Do you think, this is a great question, I think, do you think men and women lust in different ways? Yes and no. Um, I, again, am realizing just how similar we are, that for, for women, often our issue is wanting to be lusted after. We want the attraction, we want the attention. And, um, and we definitely feed off of that. You know, we want to be flattered, all that sort of thing. And that's often how we lust. But I discovered that men often do that too, that they want to be lusted after just as much as we do. Um, but in that sense, I would, say, I would say that it, it does become, um, you know, I mean, traditionally you think of, you know, the man lusts, the woman wants to be lusted after, and she's the one who dresses provocatively. So yes, that can happen. But again, you know, I think especially these days, we often are the, you know, the instigators. Women are getting hooked on internet porn just as much as men. So I think it's becoming less and less of, you know, separate ways that we lust um, and and more similar. Um, But again, I do think, you know, for many women, wanting to be lusted after tends to be like our primary MO. Um, so if that's, uh, 
and yeah, I've, I've said that. I've said that before, and it's, it's interesting to hear that from you. It's like uh, I, I, I agree with that, but um, obviously, I, I have both problems. So, um, the other question was: Should a woman avoid a meeting with bad recovery? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Just like I was talking about the, uh, it was in AA that I've experienced what they call thirteen stepping, or you know, basically being hit on. And so, yes, if there's if there's a meeting with that where the men aren't sober, don't go to that meeting. I mean, if there's one or two, and you know, their newcomers are struggling or whatever, or even if they're chronic slippers, um, that's one thing. But if most of the meeting is that way. And if they don't, if they're not focusing on the solution and focusing on the problem or, you know, whatever it is that is, you know, not helping recovery at that meeting, that is not going to be helpful for a woman to be part of because, you know, you might be exposing yourself to, to men that are not going to um, be appropriate with you. Okay, great. Um, I've got a good question. We'll have, we'll have a question from a guy now for a little bit of a change in, uh, in anger. Shmuel uh, Avram says that he went to a mixed meeting and felt very uncomfortable to share in front of a woman uh, about lusting after women. Mm-hmm. Do you have any feedback on that? Ah, uh, yes. Again, I think this is what, um, in that section in mixed meetings, in the back of the white book, it, it, it does address a little bit that, you know, that's the whole point is that this is our opportunity to get honest with each other. And I don't know that you need to say, Oh, and I'm lusting after you right now, but, but just to say, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I I mean, I hear that in meetings all the time about, Oh, you know, I saw this woman coming down the street and whatever. And I get it. I mean, that's why we're here. This is not going to shock us, you know? We are not surprised that you are lusting after women. I mean, obviously, there are those with same-sex attraction, but I'd say the majority of the men are probably lusting after women primarily. And so this is not a surprise to us. And um, in, and the same with us. I mean, most of us are lusting after men. So that needs to be an open and honest part of the discussion because that's why we're there. We're there for recovery. But again, uh, is the focus on the solution or the problem? If it's on the solution, then great. You can talk about um, your your struggle with with uh, lusting after a particular woman if you're going to focus on what to do about it and not just want to vent about your problem. Thank you. And a question from um, a more broader question from Jacob in New Jersey: uh, What can men in SA do to be to, to welcome uh, to welcome women more and make women feel more comfortable? Um, I would say a couple of things. Um, first of all, greet her when she comes into the meeting (laughs) and, uh, and it's okay to offer your hand if she doesn't want to take it, you know, to shake a hand. If she doesn't want to take it, that's fine too. Um, but so again, it's the idea of offering rather than, you know, like just, you know, assuming. Um, and, um, and I've had, uh, someone ask, you know, is it okay if, if, you know, like if, if, if people hold hands to pray at the end of the meeting, I've had someone ask, is it okay if I hold your hand? And I'll say yes or no. And that's nice. It's a, it's a consideration. 
Um, and of course, a new woman may not feel comfortable doing that. And that's fine. And I certainly wouldn't attempt to hug a new woman. But again, to be friendly, to be open, to um, to have like, if you're going to talk to a woman, it's good if you can have two guys so that it's not just a one-on-one. Um, but to, to, to talk to her, you know, don't just leave her off in the corner by herself. And, um, if she needs more information about, um, you know, about essay, uh, to get literature, to find a sponsor, you need to know the resources that are available in your area. Are there women in your area that you can connect her with? I know many, um, inner groups have developed, um, like a welcome packet for women that has numbers of some local women um, and, uh, and has ways that, you know, they can, they can connect. And so that's important. If you can share some resources and share, um, you know, they can, they can contact Seiko to um, our central office to get connected to the sisters list um, and to find out about uh, uh, getting onto the women's WhatsApp group. So, you know, those are things that that you can share with women so that they know that they're not just this one woman all by herself, but that there are many, many, you know, thousands of us um, in, uh, across, the, across the world, um, or at least a thousand anyway. <laughs> which was an interesting side question that, um, that Alison had, which... You can only really guess. She asked him, do you think there's as many sexaholic women as there are men in the world? Well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? You know, I'm not a sociologist. But I would say that there's, you know, just like in the early days of AA, it was mostly men. um, And it it took a long time to, you know, to get more women involved. But, of course, now there's, you know, probably, I don't know about equal numbers, but... It's n- not um, any uh, big difference between men and women. With lust, I have noticed that in you know in the literature, in any groups that deal with this, they tend to focus on men. But certainly, there are more and more women who are recognizing that they have this problem too. So I don't know what the percentages are, but certainly, I think there's far more women that are, that deal with lust than are in the fellowship. Because again, it, I mean, it's hard for a man to come. It's hard for anyone. I mean, the shame of any addiction, I think is compounded when it's lust. I mean, that's like, you know, the worst of the worst. Um, and, uh, so it, it's difficult. It's difficult to come into a fellowship like this, but for a woman, you know, and again, it can be even harder for us because, you know, there's that label of, Oh, you know, we're some, you know, horrible person and, you know, um, we don't want there the scarlet letter A. It's a, you know, famous American novel about that, uh, about a woman, you know, caught in adultery who ended up having to wear the scarlet letter A. But that that's how many of us feel, you know, that we're ostracized, um, if anyone finds out. So we're very uh paranoid about the whole thing, but, or shameful about the whole thing, but men often are too. So, you know, I think it, it does take a lot of courage for a woman to come into this fellowship. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. Um, The question from Ronit here in Israel, she said, hi, Suzanne in Israel. 
many SA female members don't have smartphones. And she asked if there's a regular phone meeting that women have or anything by email rather than the, you mentioned the, 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 the WhatsApp groups. But if there's any other email group or, or, or phone meeting that's female only, and thank you so much for your share, she says. Ah, oh, you're welcome. Um, yes, there is. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but they're, they're on the um, schedule that you can get from Seiko. There is uh, uh, at least one or two women's meetings mentioned, and there is a, a Skype one that I don't think is on that list. It's out of London, and um, it, they talk about it on the women's WhatsApp group, but I don't remember exactly when it is because I've never connected to it. Um, but I do know that there are some resources. And uh, so anybody can contact me um, if you want to. But Seiko is also a good thing. Uh, both Laura and Kay at Seiko are very keyed in. Well, they're both women themselves. That helps. But they're very keyed in to helping share resources for women. So they can be a real help as well. Yeah, that's true. Run it. You can contact me as well if you uh, I, I have access to that um to that list of meetings, it's it's public on the site to uh, female meetings. We have a question from um, Mike, uh, from sorry, from Richard in Scotland. He says, we've had a couple of women over the years. As the senior member, do I need to protect them from adverse comments by other members after the meeting? I'm usually left to pack back up afterwards and notice them being chatted by non-sober fellows. The upshot, they didn't come back. Am I a minder as well as a temporary sponsor? It's a good question. What, so what was the last part? He's saying, like, should I look after them as well as being a temporary sponsor for them? Well, what what we recommend in our area is that if um, if a temporary sponsor, if 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 you want to be a temporary sponsor, or you know, you want to make sure a woman has a temporary sponsor, and there's no women available in your area, then we recommend that two men be temporary sponsors so that again you're not setting up a one-on-one that when you meet with her two of you meet with her um and that she can connect with with both of you so um so that's something that that we recommend and then again to connect her to the the uh like on the sisters list i think the buddy list is the same way but um women say on there whether they can sponsor so that's a good opportunity to find a sponsor um if there isn't one in your area, um, a woman available. So, but I do think at the meeting that, yes, I do think that, um, and this is what happens at, at, uh, our open meeting, uh, definitely that the newcomers are always surrounded. Um, and if it's a woman, we do have a woman that always goes to the open meeting. So she will make sure to talk to, to that woman. But again, that this is an opportunity for two sober men to surround that woman and protect her from the non-sober members. Because, yeah, that, that can happen, obviously. So it is important to um, just like, and I, I've experienced, I've never experienced being hit on by a man in SA, but I have seen it happen. And, uh, but I've also seen the men in the fellowship be protective and go and talk to that man. And in the case that I'm recalling, the man was asked to leave the meeting and he did. So that was, that was wonderful. But, and then this was happening before the meeting. So he didn't even stay for the meeting, but, um, and, and, uh, 
But that's important because I also heard stories at the women's conference of being in a situation like that. And the men didn't do anything. There was no protection, no help for a woman who was being harassed by a male member. And that is sad. Thank you. We have a question from Mark. Um, He says, we have a female member in our group um, and I would like to help her more, but I'm concerned that her husband might take take it the wrong way if she was getting texts from men. Do you have any suggestions on ways that I can help our female group member? Ah, yeah. Um, And is he saying that she's the only woman in the fellowship? Um, What seems to be the case. Okay. Um, I would ask um, her permission at a meeting. I would say um, that I would like to be, uh, you know, uh, local support for you. um, But, and just ask, is it, is, is it okay for you to accept texts and phone calls? um, And um, do you think this will be okay with, with your husband? And so they, you know, she can set that up ahead of time to, to work that out. But also I think the best thing he can do is connect her to other women in SA. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, We have a, a, a comment from Jonathan M in Colorado Springs. He says, what I say to men and women who come as after a meeting usually is, are you a hugger? or a shaker, or neither. How is that for you or other women? Um, uh, I, I would, I, I think that's a little too broad because just because a woman doesn't feel comfortable hugging you at that moment, especially if she's new, it doesn't mean she never will. So, you know, are you a hugger can be like, well, sometimes, you know, (laughs) but I don't want to hug you right now. Um, So I would just say, um, uh, would you like a hug? Okay. We have a question from Cindy in New Jersey. She says, I've been in SA almost three years, sober for over two years. There's a male only meeting in my area. Would it be appropriate to request inclusion? And if so, how? Absolutely. And I have encouraged sponsees to do this who are in this situation. Um, And uh, I think the best thing to do is to um, go to the intergroup meeting in your area, if there is one, and uh, make the request there. Um, And if there isn't, then... um, if you have contact with someone in the meeting, you, you could do that. If not, I literally would show up at the meeting and say, look, there is no meeting in my area. I really need a face-to-face meeting. And I'm asking that you would uh, give me permission to be in this meeting because I need it and I need this fellowship. That's great. That's great. You need to grab onto recovery however you can get it, right? Yep. Um, okay, so we have, we have an interesting question from, uh, from David M. Um, do you have examples of how men can overcome their lust for women and be able to see them as sisters? I understand this intellectually, but I continue to struggle with custody of my eyes and my mind. Yes, I think, um, 
one thing that is helpful for, I think helpful for me and some of the men in my fellowship is that we, we have had social occasions together. Um, some of us once a month get together at a local restaurant and, uh, and share, you know, fellowship there. Um, we have an annual gratitude dinner. We have, uh, a marathon, which isn't necessarily social, but it is, you know, another opportunity to connect with, um, with more men and women. But I think the main thing is as you really deal with recovery, this, this is the stuff we talk about in the meetings. You know, I think those 18 suggestions in the back of the white book of over, how to overcome lust and temptation, you know, those are very helpful in, in how we deal with women. And when you see um, a woman in a meeting, think, you know, look at that woman and say, wow, she is my sister. She is a child of God, just like I am. And she is due my respect and honor and appreciation. And, you know, I think that just helps us. We humanize each other. That helps that, you know, we are not objects of manipulation for each other. We are not objects of lust. We are to be treated with the respect and dignity due to any human being. Thank you. And that's, yeah, that's a very big part of my recovery. As I mentioned in the WhatsApp group before, it's just, just going back to that earlier place in my life where, where women were not objects. And it's just, uh, it's, it's great to be back in that place and and to, to be present. Um, um, Lucky Joy says something very cute. Uh, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman. They say we acted out uh, in the Northwest region. They say we acted out together. We recovered together. And there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of living that goes with that. That's great. And Marjorie says, I'm so glad to hear what you're saying. In Montreal, there is no women's meeting. There used to be, but it closed. Many of those women are not going to essay meetings at all anymore. Yeah. I agree. I'm not really a fan of women's meetings. I know some think, oh, we'll help to introduce them to the fellowship, but it doesn't always. And at the women's convention, we did find out that there were women who had never been in a meeting with men. And I think that that's a, that's a disservice because, you know, at the moment, this fellowship is mostly men. So we're going to be pretty isolated if we don't connect with any men. Now, I know there are some places um, uh, like in Iran, where the women and men meet separately, but they do get together at some of the, like a marathon or something like that. So, um, and they, they're on inner group and things like that. Um, and in fact, since, since Mona hasn't been with Ghanan yet, I will share that, that the, uh, the region, um, has decided they formed a women's uh, committee for women in SA. Again, just to do what we're talking about, to figure out how we can be really welcoming, how we can help them feel a part of the fellowship. And that's an important consideration for the men. I think some of the men just think, oh, the women, and that even happens in my area. You know, the women are on their own. They're doing their own thing. No problem. They're fine. And that's not the case. You know, we need each other. Absolutely. Um, Emily says, thank you for speaking, Suzanne. I appreciate you and all the sisters in SA. I have a few women in my area, but we're a small but mighty group. I appreciate all the women on the phone meetings too. Um, Elaine 
um, makes a comment on, on your share. She says, I find it very poor only to connect with men doing service. For me, it was very different. I wasn't acting out so much with men. I have some lovely connections, relationship with men of all ages, married or not. And she doesn't think it can be fully generalized. Oh, that that's a good point. I, I agree that, um, that you can't just generalize and, um, and that, right. And, and especially, you know, like, um, for those who may have same sex attraction, you know, that can be a whole nother issue. I still do think though, that it helps to, um, uh, with sponsorship. And I know even in AA, they encourage this too, that, you know, um, men to sponsor men and women to sponsor women. But, um, but I, yes, I can say that, that I have, uh, relationships with men in the fellowship that are um, a very mutually beneficial. And um, now that we're both sober, that's fine. We can have that relationship and it can be a beneficial thing. But I know early on, I was attracted to, um, to, to someone who came into the fellowship at the same time I did. And um, that's something that I really had to deal with. You know, I couldn't just say, oh, well, whatever. You know, <laughs> that was part of my recovery to deal with that attraction. Right. Um, well, Marjorie makes a mention, are there women's meetings open for men? <laughs> I think <laughs> she's <laughs> Probably not. Um, but again, at, at the moment, that hasn't been an issue because the, um, the, the men have many more opportunities to meet than the women do. Um, so in areas where there are women's meetings, there are, I don't, I can't, I don't know of any situation where there's a women's meeting without other mixed meetings or um, possibly even men's meeting for them to go to. So that may seem discriminatory, like it's okay to have women's only meetings and not men only meetings. And again, personally, we don't have any women's meetings in my area. They're all mixed meetings. And that is something that will probably always be that way because we all feel strongly about that. But, um, but again, you know, it's, it's really not a discriminatory thing in terms that if the women really feel the need to, to meet together on their own, um, that is, I hope, though, that they also go to mixed meetings. Um, but it's not a discriminatory issue because the men have plenty of meetings to go to. Um, thank you for that. Um, one second. We, uh, we have a question from Eric. He asks if you can suggest ways to reach out to women via the healing community. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would connect with um, therapists that, um, that do talk to women and in, in fact, it's interesting. One of our meetings is now in uh, a facility that does um, therapy uh, for sex addicts. Um, and um, I would say most of the women that, that they deal with are SNNs, but occasionally they also get, um, you know, a woman sex addict. So I think um, looking for especially women therapists that are relating, you know, to women sex addicts, um, 
you know, some of them will advertise that that's one of the things that they deal with is sex addiction. So those are the the people that you can reach out to in the healing community and just let them know that SA is a fellowship of men and women. Great. Uh, Alison came in with another question. She asks if it's okay to ignore men in the meeting, if it's good for her recovery, or is it rude? <laughs> I think it's absolutely fine, and I've done that myself. Um, there is uh, a man who um, haven't seen him in a while, but you know he used to come to several of our meetings, and he was not—he did not feel safe to me. He wasn't sober. He tended to be a stalker, and so I tended to avoid him in meetings. I didn't totally ignore him, and that if he said hi to me, I would say hi to him, but I would not engage him in conversation. So that's perfectly fine. I mean, we all do what we need to do for our recovery. And I think it's really important, especially for women, not to worry about being rude because that has been such a setup for us. Oh, no, we can't just ignore our former partner because, you know, that would be rude. It's like, oh, no, you can. And you can block him and delete him. You know, (laughs) know? we need to do what we need to do for our recovery. That's number one. Yeah, Ronit actually made a comment, an interesting comment over in Tel Aviv on their women's group. So they often, once a month, they have old old timers coming in, generally guys that come and share. And they're invited to stay till the end of the meeting, even though it's a women's meeting. She says, we want to learn from old timers how to share. So that's kind of an answer to Marjorie's question before yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a comment a little earlier that was less of a question, but... Uh, um, I think there's a lot of meetings. Uh, where is it? That Svi asked or mentioned that they, you know, that they they've never had a woman in their meeting ever, um, and they had a vote about it once, and they decided, well, you know, when when a woman contacts us, then we'll we'll deal with it or whatever. But they've they've they still, they've never had a woman actually contact them. Um, well, uh, in the meantime, uh, it would be helpful. Again, if you have an uh, an inner group in your area, you might want to suggest doing some outreach. Again, not necessarily specifically to women, but to let the healing community know that this is a fellowship of men and women. It's not just for men. Um, and uh, um, and don't wait for a woman to show up to figure out what to do, because then you're all going to stand around like a deer in the headlights. Think about it now. How are you going to be welcoming to her? What resources are you going to offer her? Are you going to be able to connect her to other women in SA? You know, that's important because that has happened to women. You know, they're the first. In fact, that happened to me at one meeting. I remember early on that a woman had not come to that meeting in many years and they were like deer in the headlights. And I became the topic of the meeting, like how they're going to deal with the woman in the meeting. And it worked out, but you know, it's something that it really helps if you're prepared ahead of time to think about, yeah, what are we going to do if a woman shows up? Thank you so much. Then uh, uh, Elaine said you did. Thank you so much. It's tough to answer all the questions alone and you really did great. So maybe um, the last few minutes, uh, I think we ran out of questions. You want to just recap, um, you know, for, for the women who are watching and, and are going to hear this recording later as well, just uh, basically the, 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 the resources that, um, that are out there as, as women in early recovery that, uh, that can help them to get, uh, you know, to get the, the, the best chance. Yes. And first of all... And maybe mention, mention your email as well, maybe at the end, for those that would, uh, if, that's, sure. if you're comfortable with that. 
sure. Okay. Um, uh, and you can find me on WhatsApp under Suzanne S. Um, and uh, my email is Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, M as in Mary, 2448 at Gmail. That's Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, M as in Mary, 2448 at gmail.com. And if you contact Seiko, um, the central office, they can connect you um, with the sisters list, which is a list of um, women around the world um, with their phone number and email and if they're available to sponsor. And uh, so that's a great list to connect with. And uh, if you also connect with me on WhatsApp, I um, can get you onto the women's WhatsApp group. It's called Essay Women Through the World. And, you know, it's really important, I think, uh, to go to conventions if you're able to. We have one coming up in Madrid in January. So if you're on that side of the Atlantic, if you can get to Madrid, that will be a great opportunity to um, to connect with the broader fellowship and to meet more women. Because um, that that's a big issue. I mean, you know, for some who are maybe the only woman or there's only a couple women, you go to a convention and there may be, you know, only 30, 40, 50 of you, but hey, that's a lot more than you had where you were before. So, so that's, that's a real help. Um, and I think it's really important, again, to recognize that SA is a fellowship of men and women. And we're all here for the same reason. We're all here to become sober, to live happy, joyous, and free, free from lust, um, free to relate to men and women as people, as human beings, as brothers and sisters. And this fellowship can give us the, the best opportunity, I think, to do that. Thank you so much. If you want to lead us out with a, with a prayer of your choice, that would be amazing. Okay, let's do the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to you to do with me and to be with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always.